0: Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. It is early in the morning on Valentine's Day in the United States. February 14th, 2023. And today's the day that we celebrate love. And so, you know, you're probably going to, if you have a love in your life, you're probably going to send or receive some flowers or a card or some candy or something today. Um, And I hope that you do. Um, If you have lost your great love, then we're praying for you. And I just pray that today your heart will be filled with amazing memories of the person that you uh, had that relationship with. And if you do have someone who's still in your life, whether it's a romantic love or a great friend or your children or your parents or somebody that you love. And just take a minute today and make them aware that you love them and that you're thinking of them. And today I thought it would be appropriate um, to cover some ground that we've covered before. Um, we had this amazing talk um, a couple of Valentine's Days ago about love and the, the four types of love in the Bible and a little bit about neuroscience and how you can get your brain either under its own control or under your control and that plays into how we love each other and um, I started thinking about doing this when I did an episode one time about cussing and what in the world does that have to do with love Well, we'll talk about it in a minute before we get going I want to send a shout out to my sweetheart the amazing indomitable indefatigable irreplaceable Lisa Warren, um, she is the love of my life. She's the energy and the engine behind everything that I do. And just, honey, um, when you hear this, I know you always listen, but when you hear this, know that I love you. Listen, friend, um, I'll just say it. I've said it for the record. I've put it in my book acknowledgements. I've said it for you before, but I just want to acknowledge, since it's Valentine's Day, hey, um, this is better than flowers from my perspective. Um, Everything that you think is good about Lee Warren has been enhanced and enlarged and um, magnified and sometimes crafted out of raw stone by Lisa's hands. Um, my relationship with her um, has really taken everything that was rough and everything that was hidden and everything that was lying dormant and brought it to life. And so if you think this podcast is good or you'd like my books or you're one of my patients and you think I'm a good surgeon, um, all of that is better sharper and more uh, available to you because of her so honey um thank you for the way that you love and the the way that you love all of us we're going to talk about you a little bit more in the episode but just want to say happy valentine's day and would you be my valentine again for the 18th year in a row um love you okay friend. sorry about that I had a little commercial for Lisa there um but i told you before we did an episode about cussing and and the root problem of cussing is an issue with the heart okay now whether or not you think it's a big deal to say a word or not say a word or whatever we can argue about that but if we did an episode you can go back and listen to it about the neuroscience and the spirituality of cussing and what it has to do with and so I did a whole episode on the podcast we talked about cussing (laughs) it was kind of amazing to hear from folks all over the world uh, and see how that particular episode touched a nerve but the bottom line is it wasn't about whether it's okay to spice up your language a little bit sometimes that's not the point of what I was talking about the real issue is how God gave us this ability as humans to do self-brain surgery to step into our own thinking and interrupt the stimulus response cycle that lower animals have the the knee-jerk reaction the the limbic system firing you have an opportunity to step into that thought process and think about your thinking and modify your behavior based on That higher level that God gave you in your frontal lobes to influence what happens when the neurotransmitter storms in your basal ganglia and your amygdala try to make you react like a wild animal when life gives you hard things. So you can do self-brain surgery and step into that. That's really what that episode was about. And so uh, we read Luke 6.45 that says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So this week, I want to talk about the bottom line. How we speak, what we do, how we treat each other, all of these things really reflect the state of our hearts, don't they? And at the end of that line of thinking is the question, how much do we love each other? And this morning... We're going to talk about love, not sex or friendship or the general, hey, let's love everybody kind of thing that we mean in a generic sense. But what does it mean when the Bible says, when Jesus says, for example, to love your neighbor as yourself? So today we're going to talk about love and all its glory and the different things that your brain and the Bible have to say about love. We're going to become healthier and feel better and be happier in our relationships by learning how to think about love in a new way. So let's talk about love. Because you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is, even on Valentine's Day, you can start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called Self Brain Surgery. You can learn it, and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is, you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode, and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. C.S. Lewis even wrote a whole book about the different types of love. The book is called The Four Loves, and it's worth reading. There are a bunch of different words in the Bible that can be translated as love. In Hebrew, the word hesed, h-e. S-E-D, H-E-S-E-D, is really translated into loving kindness in some translations. And this is really the most significant word for love in the Bible. It's translated, like I said, as loving kindness because there's really not a Greek or English word that's equivalent to this word hesed. It has connotations of things like fidelity and loyalty, patience, mercy, grace, forgiveness, this covenant of faithfulness and salvation, among other things. All these concepts tied up with the word that we translated as loving kindness. And a deep dive into that um, word probably produces more than we can talk about here. But basically, it's all these aspects of God's love for us that is reflected in this word hesed, loving kindness. There's another word, Ahab, to love. And there's another word that sounds like dod, D-O-D. That basically is romantic love. The the book of Song of Solomon uses that word over and over and over. It's sort of the... the, uh, romance type of word dot in the greek the new testament written in greek of course there's four words um in in the greek language for love eros is the sort of sexual or romantic love that's probably the one that people think about the most when they think about love um, because sex and romance and dating and all those things are tied up in eros erotic type of love but that word actually doesn't show up in the new testament so when we talk about love in the biblical sense that we're not talking about that word that type of love we're talking about other types of word phileo p h i l e o is like philadelphia the brotherly type of love fraternal or friendly love that's the type of love that you would show a really a close friend or a family member god loves jesus john 5:20 he loves us john 16:27 with this phileo type of love but the real word the big word The main one is agape, A-G-A-P-E, agape. This is the love that's willing to sacrifice itself for someone else. It's all throughout the New Testament, and it connotes a sort of conscious choice to choose that you're going to do something. You're going to act out your love rather than just feel it. It's common in the New Testament, but it's not very common in other works of literature in that era, so it's interesting that God uses the word agape. That I'm going to sacrifice myself for you because I love you so much. That's the type of love that God has in 1 John chapter four. It's the type of love that God shows his son in John 17. It's the type of love he shows to us in John 14. It's the type of love that he has for all humans Romans chapter five. So agape is the word that God uses the most throughout the New Testament to describe the type of love that we're gonna talk about today. There's one more, the sort of storge, S-T-O-R-G-E type of love. that's like family, general sense of love. But agape is the one that we're gonna get after today. So understand what we're talking about. Agape love. I wanna give you a few scriptures. I wanna put some frames around why it's so important to get this right. And then I'm gonna give you some tools to use in self brain surgery to set yourself up for success and how to be active and present and purposeful in your love towards other people because we've talked a lot about how important it is to preload to put things in your head some instruments to have handy on your on your mayo stand on your table when you're doing surgery like my scrub techs do so that you're ready to grab the thing that you need when you have to react to something that comes up in your life i want you to have these tools in your brain So that when you're challenged by something, you don't just blow up and let your amygdala be in charge. You don't satisfy those basal urges to vent your rage or be passive aggressive or or react out of emotion. But you're rather going to reach for the instrument that you need to, to apply this type of love in your life. You're going to get your frontal lobes involved. You're going to get your higher level thinking involved and think about your thinking and apply those filters and techniques that can allow you to be in charge of how you respond to the hard things and challenges that will come along in your life because they will. Remember, you might be able to say, I'm sorry after the fact that things go the wrong way, but it really doesn't ever set it all the way right when you hurt somebody, right? It really doesn't set it all the way right when you miss an opportunity to love somebody. Um, Every day I can think of millions of ways that I have failed to love Lisa the way I should or to love my kids the way I should. And it's hard to ever go back and get those things right. So what we want to do is get them right going forward, right? So to do that, you've got to be able to fill your heart and your brain up with these tools that you can use when you need them. If you want to be healthy and have healthy relationships, even with yourself – You've got to learn how to apply that Proverbs 17 filter. You've got to bridle that tongue. You have to bridle your brain. Get that thing under your control because you're given by God the opportunity to do so by having these massive frontal lobes that can override those more basic instincts. And you can bridle your brain before you let the words fly or take certain actions or certain things or you don't do certain things. You can be in charge of that. So it comes down at the end of the day to love. How much do you love other people and what does that mean to you? Do you love them enough to have self-brain surgery, to have heart surgery if you need it, if you find that you're in need of it, to cut some things out and replace them with other things? We're going to let the Bible speak to this for a minute, just so we're all on the same page about what love is. So remember Proverbs seventeen twenty-seven and 28 is kind of our guiding force for the infinitely happier stuff that we've been talking about. It says this, can you bridle your tongue when your heart is under pressure? That's how you show that you're wise. An understanding heart keeps you cool, calm, and collected no matter what you're facing. So that's the that's the baseline. Can you bridle your brain? Can you can you control yourself? Can you use your frontal lobes to influence your reflexes and react or respond instead of reacting rather when your heart is under pressure? We're gonna talk about love. I want to get a couple of things straight first. We're going to look at what God says, and it's a big, hard standard. Like, like always, one of the reasons they killed Jesus was that he set standards that they didn't want to have to deal with. So when they said don't commit adultery, they checked that box. He said don't lust in your heart. When they said "You know, don't kill your neighbor, he said don't hate your neighbor in your heart. You might as well murder him. So Jesus always elevates. It's not just boxes that gets checked, but it's actually what's in your heart. And so when Jesus and God talk about love in 1st John chapter 4 for example the standard and the guardrails that he puts around it are pretty hard to hit. I'm just going to read it so I'm not this is not me, this is what the Bible says. Starting in 1st uh, John 4 uh, verse 7. Here's what he says. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love for us. He sent this one and his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. And God puts some pretty big rails around the definition of love, doesn't he? Look at what's going on in the world in the United States right now, for example. And tell me if these quote-unquote peaceful protests where people are out there destroying other people's lives and destroying other people's property and raging against the system, can that be a place to can you land that plane in between the guardrails of this definition of love that includes if you claim to love god but hate your brother or sister you're a liar and you cannot love god can you land that plane if you're out there destroying somebody else's life if you're out there destroying somebody else's property can you actually claim that you love according to those definitions can you verbally abuse somebody else can you cheat on somebody can you steal from somebody and land that plane in between those love languages those uh, love definitions that god's giving us can you um be jealous of somebody at work can you um mistreat somebody that works for you if you love can you do those things can you kill an unborn baby and land there can you cancel somebody's entire life and livelihood and future because of a political disagreement and land in that place between those guardrails of if you hate your brother or sister, you're a liar and you can't love God? I'm not asking for an argument here. I'm just reading what the Bible says. I think we need to go back to that and just read what the Bible says and apply some of these filters and ask ourselves some hard questions right now. Not asking for the hundreds of emails I'll probably get when I say this. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm just saying read what the Bible says and try to define love in your life, and if we all do that, if we all just try to redefine what love means and we try to walk that out in our own lives, will we be better off or will we be worse off as a society? So apply that however you need to. Search your heart, but do it. Think about what love really means and try to figure out where you land in all of that. There's a story in Mark chapter 12 that I think is important, but frankly, it's also troubling to me So the teachers, the Pharisees, come to Jesus and they ask him some questions. They ask him what the most important commandment was. And here's what he says. Uh, Mark 12, starting in 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That's a little bit terrifying to me because the guy had the right answers. But Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And friend, I don't wanna be the one that's not far. I wanna be there. I wanna be in there. (laughs) I hope you do too. So how can we then learn to understand what love really is when Jesus says that the greatest commandment besides loving God, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And how, how can we do that and end up not being the one who's not far, but actually be there? What does it mean then to love your neighbor as yourself? Well, first, obviously, it means that you're supposed to love yourself. And this is really the root of a lot of what we're missing here in our lives, I think, is we don't understand what it means to really love ourselves. And second, obviously, it means that you're supposed to treat other people as well as you treat yourself. And that's a problem if you don't treat yourself very well. Loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, there's a really good article that starts that way uh, from Crosswalk. And I'll put uh, the link in the show notes. And here's what they said. Loving your neighbor as yourself is found eight times in the Bible. Not once or twice, but eight times. Loving your neighbor as yourself is so important to God that he not only repeats himself, but he actually commands it. And not just one in a list of many commands, but Jesus coupled the command to love your neighbor as yourself to the command to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. James called it the royal law. That's a big deal, right? Loving your neighbor as yourself isn't always easy, which is why God made it a command. He knew we would struggle with it, so at least he gave it to us strongly enough eight times that he would make it a command, say it over and over, tie it to loving him And understand that we're supposed to love ourselves and our neighbors in that sort of way. It has to be purposeful. It has to be intentional. Sometimes it has to be our number one primary focus in our lives. So think about that just for a little bit. And I told you I wanted to give you some tools, some preloaded instruments, some techniques that you can use in your quest to become infinitely happier and healthier and better able to handle the hard things that life is going to throw at you. And I'm going to put these ideas and these tools around the idea of how you love others more perfectly because I think it will help. Now, I learned almost everything I know about love and relationships from Lisa. I learned almost everything about how to handle myself in a loving way. And I'm not very good at it, frankly, but I'm getting better. Learning how to handle myself in a relationship from my watching my incredibly tender and patient and compassionate wife She just loves with her whole heart. She loves everybody. She takes care of everybody. She nurtures and cherishes and empathizes with and looks out for other people way more than she does for herself. And I have to remind her to love herself. So I learned a lot from her. She's got this toolkit so well-developed. It's like watching a master surgeon operate when she loves on other people. She just empathizes and is deeply connected to other people's hearts. And so when I think of love, I see her in my mind. And it's good to have this um, notion that you can be influenced by other people. If you want to be better at looking at, at loving then it's good to look at other people who do that well. So find another person in your life who loves other people well. Look for these qualities in them, and you can see an example or find a role model or a mentor. It really helps to put flesh on God's words. That's actually what community, what the church is supposed to do, is to put flesh, put God's love right in front of us in the person of other people. It's extremely helpful. So I see her in this way, and you can find somebody in your life who can model these things and help you become more perfect in your love to others. So here's the most famous passage about love in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Brandon Heath actually wrote an amazing song out of this chapter called Love Never Fails."
1: Love is not proud. Love does not boast. Love, after all, matters the most. Love does not run, love does not hide, love does not keep locked inside. Love is a river that flows through, and love never fails you love will sustain love will provide love will not cease at the end of time and love will protect Love is right here. Love is alive. Love is the way, the truth, the life. Love is the river that flows through. Love is the arms that are holding you. And love is a place. never fails you
0: love never fails by brandon heath and you'll have like i said put some flesh on these words so here's the passage first in the niv and then in the passion translation so here we go first corinthians chapter 13 starting in verse 4 love is patient love is kind it does not envy 1 Corinthians 13, that was NIV. Now, here's the Passion Translation. Just to put some different sort of notions around it in your brain, it's good to read the uh, verses in more than one translation. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4 in the Passion Translation. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic and shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honestly and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up. Love never stops loving. 1 Corinthians 13, Passion Translation. Look, friend, the bottom line, is that we're in this hard life. And Jesus said he wants us to have abundance, peace, joy, happiness anyway. And the path to that is to love others, to love them like you love yourself. And if you don't love yourself in that way, then you need to learn to love yourself. It's to banish hate and contempt and jealousy and comparison and self-service self and to truly love other people. It's to apply that Micah 6-8 filter that we talk about. When it's up to you, do justice. Do things right when you're in charge. When it's done to you, love mercy. Always apply that filter. Remember that you've done wrong things. You've hurt other people. You've mistreated other people. And when it's done to you, be merciful because God has been merciful to you. And walk humbly before your God is to live out 1 Corinthians 13, to let love be large and incredibly patient and to not be a scorekeeper and to be kind and compassionate, not because you're checking boxes, but because you truly care about other people, to not traffic and shame and disrespect. Love means being willing to use your frontal lobe. Even when the deeper parts of you are telling you to give in to the rage or the moment, to satisfy the instinct, to let the angry words fly, to throw the punch or download the picture or send the angry email or flirt with the person, to, to do those things that satisfy, that satisfy those basal instincts but instead you're going to love by applying that frontal lobe filter that god gave you you're going to let your brain be in charge of your behavior because you can you're not some animal that just has to react hiss like a cat and, and turn into some raging animal you have a frontal lobe that can think about your thinking god gave you that and he gave you that so that you could more perfectly love people like he does even yourself not just on sunday either If you really want to become healthier, feel better, and be happier, you need to love your neighbor as yourself, and often that means you need to actually love yourself because all these things that we're talking about start with understanding who we are in God's eyes and never forget, friend that he loves you so much that he died for you. Even though he knew all the things that you would do in this life, he died for you anyway. He saved you anyway. He gave you an opportunity to spend eternity with him, to be perfected in him in his love. And he wants you to be happy and healthy and be in good relationships and make a difference in this world. He wants you to be happy. And if that requires self-brain surgery, then he wants you to do it. He wants you to see who you are in his eyes. It's time to love, friend. You know why? Because it's self-brain surgery. It's biblical. It's consistent with neuroscience. It's good self-care. It'll help. But you gotta love yourself and you have to love your neighbor as yourself and you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength because friend, love never fails. It will never let you down. I see it in Lisa. I try to model her because I see Christ in her. Find somebody in your life that you can learn to love from in that way. And learn to love yourself and your neighbor and your Lord, your God, with all your heart. And I promise you, you will be healthier. You will be happier. You will feel better.